Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. And here we are. We're one talk over the line. The line beginning, of course, right now around 10 o'clock. If you've been waiting for this moment to be able to buy your pot recreationally, at some point we'll figure out a common word for pot, weed, marijuana, whatever it is you call it. I'm just going to call it pot because that's the word that I grew up using. And if that marks me of a certain generation, so be it. In any event, Connecticut and its infinite wisdom has decided that Uh, we're going to be able to buy pot if we're over the age of 21. And I'd like to know how you feel about that. Here we are today, and today is the first day that Connecticut is officially allowing people to buy pot because they feel like it, because they want to. In the meantime, Justin Elliker, the mayor of New Haven, had a press conference, and he and his health advisors were begging people to Uh, Health Director Maritza Bond urging customers to mind what she calls the three L's, to lock it, to store cannabis products at home out of reach of minors, to label it, to ensure that someone doesn't ingest products by accident and then, quote, freak out or, quote, get sick. Well, we know that that's happened. We know that kids uh, in middle schools and high schools have gotten hold, sometimes on a school bus, of gummy bears and other kinds of candy-like looking seductively packaged pot, and then they've gotten pretty sick from it, and limit it, avoiding overconsumption of risks since it can take up to an hour or two for ingested cannabis to take full effect. So what do you think about all of this? I know this day has been coming for a pretty long time. Police Chief Carl Jacobson of New Haven saying four extra cops will be on duty today to expect increased vehicular traffic as we have, I think we have nine available recreational dispensaries and many, many more thousands of applicants who cannot wait to be able to smell, to, to be able to sell pot, believing that there is this extraordinary pent-up demand for marijuana in Connecticut, and they just all cannot wait to make money from it. So, you know, um, I was walking in New York City over the weekend, and I felt like I was in a Cheech and Chong movie. And I never even watched those Cheech and Chong movies, but I know exactly what they were about. They were about a haze of marijuana, a haze of pot and weed. And I resented it terribly. 
and I resent it terribly when I walk on a city street in anywhere, New York, Connecticut now, and the pervasive smell of marijuana is something that hits me with uh, the same kind of hitting me that I grew up smelling tobacco uh, whenever I would go into a room. Because when I was a kid, smoking was everywhere, and you smelled tobacco all the time. And it was uncomfortable and coffee and sometimes made my eyes tears and I had to get out of the way. And we created this massive public campaign to say, you know what? The smoker can smoke, but the smoker doesn't have a right to have the effects of his smoke affect me. And so this conversation about secondhand smoke came into our vocabulary. And all of a sudden, Mayor Mike Bloomberg was one of the first people who said in New York City, many people then copied his approach, no smoking in public places. Forget it. I don't want to smell your tobacco. You want to smell your tobacco? You get to do it in your own house, in your own private space. But I don't, I have a right as a human being to not have to be exposed to it. I don't like it. It sticks to my clothes and I don't want it. Why are we making an exception for pot? What's going on here? Why are we making an exception for pot? Why do I have to be smelling, inhaling something that is not only uncomfortable for me, but it's a psychoactive substance? Why do I have to smell like skunk all the time? Why do I have to feel like when I get out of the car, it's sticking to my clothes too? What's that about? Haven't we even learned that basic bit of consideration for other people? But no, I'm telling you, you walk the streets of New York, you feel like you're in a Cheech and Chong movie, and I'm not kidding. And it isn't fun. And it doesn't feel particularly fair. So 203-333-9422, do you want to talk about how you feel about the legalization of recreational pot here in Connecticut today? Are you going to be lining up to go? We, I've, I've seen other websites of other radio stations basically advertising for people and saying, here, you can go here, you can go there. Let's celebrate. It's 420 day. Congrats to everybody. This is a long time coming. At the very same time, we have 44,000 convictions. That's astonishing in a state of only 3 million people. 44,000 convictions that are expected to be overturned pronto because these were convictions for the sale, distribution, whatever, of pot. And they were a long time ago, or they weren't. But in any event, our state has decided that these convictions don't deserve to stay given that we are now legalizing the substance for which these people went to jail, and because the conviction itself has hampered these individuals' ability to re-enter the working world, re-enter the world of being able to rent an apartment, get a credit card, and get a job. So we are deciding as a society to forgive those transgressions, which were, after all, illegal when they were done, because in the big picture of life, we don't want people to be saddled with this for the rest of their life. That's 44,000 convictions that are expected to be overturned on this alone. Let's go to Bill from Fairfield, 203-333-9422. Good morning and welcome to the show. Thank you, Lisa. I think you're getting it a little off with the second the secondhand smoke thing. I think they banned that because... Secondhand smoke from cigarettes will kill you. Carcinogens. I think that was it, the push. But for the that. exposure but I, I, is not going to kill you if you go into an occasional restaurant. The exposure no. is not going to kill you if you're in a lobby. No, no, no. It was about the fact that they just wanted to eradicate the cigarettes from public spaces, Bill. They just wanted to make sure and they and one of the reasons was, was secondhand fun. smoke. 
you know? So what, what would kill you is if you had a smoker in your household and you constantly had to be inhaling their smoke. It wasn't from a 10-minute yeah. occasional, you know, whatever. It was, it was a public health. It was a public health message. We don't like tobacco. We I don't want people to, right? We, I'm just saying that to me, yeah. it was a public health statement, and we haven't yeah, made. I think you should check that a little bit. But well, I think also that alcohol will kill you. Alcohol will disrupt your family. For sure. For sure. Um, all of those things, the cancer involved from alcohol's uh, consumption and the consumption of tobacco will kill you. Uh, alcohol will make you drive a car full of your friends into a tree. Yeah. Um, and I don't think any of that is prevalent in the field of marijuana. Really? Why and do you so say I that? Think that's because I've lost over a dozen friends from alcohol and opiates. Uh-huh. And I've never lost it. I don't. I, I, I think there's studies that uh, marijuana doesn't cause cancer. I don't. Think I've never seen a study that marijuana doesn't cause cancer. In fact, the studies well, I've. It depends. Put, Hold on, Bill. 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 Yeah. Listen to me. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. It depends how you use marijuana. Yeah. If you use marijuana by smoking it. The smoking of marijuana can be just as deadly in terms of your lungs as smoking cigarettes. The substance of cannabis doesn't cause cancer per se. It depends upon the way you ingest it. It absolutely is true. I'll look it up. I think you should get a a doctor on board. I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. I think think it's a little skewed. I I don't think the statistics will tell you that um, marijuana has caused, you know, alcohol the same things that alcohol creates i'm not comparing it to alcohol let me explain what the nih says the nih says marijuana smoke contains carcinogenic combustion products including 50 percent more benzoprene and 75 percent more benzocrethacine and more phenols vinyl chlorides nitrosamines reactive oxygen species than cigarette smoke because of how it is typically smoked, deeper inhale held for longer. Marijuana smoking leads to four times the deposition of tar compared to cigarette smoking. However, while a, while a few small uncontrolled studies have suggested that heavy regular marijuana smoking could increase risk for respiratory cancers, well-designed population studies have failed to find an increased risk of lung cancer associated with marijuana use. So one of the things that they're saying is they're concerned about smoking marijuana and they still need to do some studies on it, but that's very different than, let's say, taking a gummy of marijuana. However, however, Bill, since you're calling about mm-hmm. this, and this is on the NIH website, the Food and Drug Administration has alerted the public to hundreds of reports of serious lung illnesses associating with vaping marijuana. So again, it yeah, depends how you're. It depends how you're getting the marijuana in your system in terms of your lungs. That's basically what Agreed. they're saying. Yeah, agree. My yeah. thing is the the death rate from alcohol compared to marijuana is staggering. I think, and just from experience, all my friends uh, and people I've known that have died from opiates and alcohol, and even my parents' um, generation. When I look back, she, my parents had four friends that died from alcoholism. Ruptured um, uh, arteries in their stomach, ulcers, and that was truly alcohol-related. And that was four people in my parents' close circle. 
Yeah. Um, so I think the comparison, I'm just thinking the death rate, and that's the tragic part of all this stuff. Um, uh, the comparison, alcohol is far more deadly, I think, than marijuana. I think the, the, the medical uh, aspect of marijuana has come a long way. The yeah. glaucoma and psych. Yeah, and no, listen, you may be right about that, that, for sure. For sure. Marijuana has, marijuana has therapeutic positive uses that I don't think alcohol has. I mean, except for like rubbing alcohol on your skin, but not ingesting it. For sure. For sure. But, you know, the real question is, because we are now in an age where everybody can use it and will use it, we really won't know until 20 years from now, looking back on our public health impact of having recreational use of marijuana. We're not going to know because up till now it's been illegal and therefore there haven't been proper studies of it. Well, that's kind of true. Can you verify the fact that marijuana was rated the same as heroin on the scale of of illicit drugs? Yes, it was. It was was a level one narcotic. Level one narcotic and therefore because of it – the it basically all the biotech companies were essentially prohibited from studying it in the proper way. Interesting, because they've both been around. Alcohol's been around a long time, and marijuana has been around for you know a, a long time too. And the studies I I thought would show that you know alcohol compared to marijuana, uh, alcohol and, and and nicotine hands down get the death. Bill, are you going to be lining up to buy some pot? No, I don't think so. Uh, you know, no? I think it's it's expensive. Is it? What you get, and and I and I think if I don't, can you clarify this too? Can you tell me um, if the penalties for driving under the influence of marijuana are the same as driving under the influence of alcohol? Well, the, the, it's a very good question because our language in our statutes talks about driving while under the influence it doesn't say of alcohol necessarily it's basically driving under the influence or it's considered to be driving while sometimes it says intoxicated which would be alcohol i will look into yeah. the specifics of language but the idea is that if you're driving while in an impaired in any way that's you're going to get tagged and you're going to get punished the right. same you're not supposed to be right. impaired while driving, period, end. Yeah. I think Whether you're really going too slowly or your vision is slurred, uh, you know, blurred or yeah. you're – I mean, a lot of people on alcohol will go too slowly also. You know what I mean? They'll know yeah. that they've had a few drinks and they just won't be able yeah. to react properly. So yeah. um, you just should never drive yeah. while you're impaired with anything. people. You, I hmm? think the stats say 55,000 people. You could fill Giants MetLife Stadium with – Alcohol-related death. I'm sure that's the every case. Year. Alcohol is a horrible year. killer. I see death but certificates every day, and I agree with you. Expensive. Oh, that's right. You're a probate. You're mm-hmm. a probate. Yeah, I see a lot of alcohol-related deaths every day. Why would yeah. you go pay more for something? Um, that, you know, it's, it's expensive. Thanks, Bill. Bob Dylan. It's always good to have Bob Dylan. Welcome back to the show. 203 333 
And they're lining up because the big news of the story, the big news story of the day today here in Connecticut is after long last, a lot of people waiting for this day, you'll be able to buy pot uh, for without fear of any kind of stopping and frisking, with any kind of fear of criminal recrimination, and you'll be able to smoke it. And you have to be over 21. You've got to show an ID. We have uh, less than 10 dispensaries around the state but it's expected that there will be more of those. And hand in hand with that is the erasure of many, many uh, drug convictions for the sale, possession of marijuana. So it's a new world. And I have to tell you that um, I have to speak from my heart and my head with the experience that I have uh, as a probate judge in the state of Connecticut. And the reason that that's relevant is because probate judges have jurisdiction over mental health commitments. And it just so happens that in the Westport Western District, we have one of only a handful of full-blown psychiatric hospitals that are in my district. And that means that I'm there a lot of the time. And what I've noticed over the past few years is very often when people are, are committed, when they're admitted on an emergency basis or they're walking in there and they need to be committed according to the hospital, that they have a dual diagnosis that the psychiatrists are putting down on their forms. And the first is usually the primary diagnosis. The primary reason they're there is schizophrenia or a bipolar disorder that has affected, that has caused what we call a psychosis. And the word psychosis essentially means a break with reality. But very often, secondary to that, I will see cannabis abuse. And this is becoming more and more prevalent. And it started almost immediately after the medical marijuana was allowed because many of these people got a medical marijuana card. The problem is that if you already have a predisposition to mental illness of any kind, whether it be depression, whether it be schizophrenia or bipolar disorder one or two, that smoking pot makes it worse. It makes it worse, number one, because it is a psychoactive drug itself, and it seems to trigger a break with reality in people that are already predisposed towards seeing the world differently than other people. And the other reason that it really is very bad for this population of people is because it blunts the effect of medicine they're supposed to be taking that actually controls their symptoms. So between the one and the two, smoking pot has led a lot more people to have to go into inpatient psychiatric care. And I was looking this up on the National Institute of Drug Abuse website, which is part of the NIH, which has a page called, Is There a Link Between Marijuana Use and Psychiatric Disorders? And it basically says that recent research suggests that smoking high-potency marijuana every day, which many of these people do, could increase the chances of developing psychosis by nearly five times compared to people who have never used pot. The amount of drug use, the age at first use, and genetic vulnerability have been shown to influence this relationship. Several studies have linked marijuana use to increased risk for psychiatric disorders to begin with, including schizophrenia. In other words, if you're going to be somebody who gets into the habit of smoking pot, we don't know what gene or environmental trigger or the combination of both leads to schizophrenia. 
But studies are showing that the increased risk, that there is an increased risk of developing schizophrenia if you are somebody who habitually uses pot. It can also lead to depression, anxiety, and other substance use disorders, which is why so many people um, refer to pot as a, quote, gateway drug. So uh, it's really interesting. It says recent research has found that people who use marijuana and carry a specific variant of something called the AKT1 gene, which codes for an enzyme that affects dopamine, are at increased risk of developing psychosis. And again, do you know if you have that gene? You probably don't even know. But this is why people are so concerned about adolescents experimenting. Now, we know, you and I know, that we have not allowed, by use of this law, we are not allowing adolescents to use marijuana. We're saying it has to be under the age of 21. The question, over the age, pardon me, over the age of 21. The question is going to become for our society, and we're not going to know until we live it, right? Whether or not making it legal over 21 is actually going to effectively more regulate it, or it's going to be ineffective, and it's going to allow access for a population under 21 that may decide to um, experiment more because they figure that by the time they're 21, they can use it anyway, and therefore how bad can it be? And a lot of that is going to depend on public health messaging, on educational messaging, on parenting, and on our view as a culture, as a society, of how strictly we really want to enforce these age restrictions. If we're very serious about enforcing these age restrictions, And we say, look, at 21, even though we know the male brain, no offense, Andrew, doesn't fully develop until you're 25, as opposed to the female brain, which develops earlier. Thank you, 36. (laughs) Right, thank you. I appreciate that. So, um, but even though we we know that the actual brain doesn't really develop until the mid-20s, we've determined as a society that 21 is the cutoff, that that's the reasonable time in which we're going to allow people to smoke pot. The truth is we're in uncharted territory right now. We just are. And it's a, it's a great experimentation, and we're going to have to see how it plays out. Am I nervous about it? You bet I am. Am I happy about it? Not particularly. 203-333-9422. Do I think anybody should go to jail for pot? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But I would have preferred that we got comfortable with decriminalizing this substance and and getting rid of their expunging their records, and all of that, I'm very in favor of that. But am I really happy about the fact that we've allowed the marijuana industry to disguise their product in gummy bears that are left on school bus uh, seats so that unwittingly kids are ingesting this stuff? No, I'm not happy about it. We know it's a psychoactive substance, and in my opinion, in my opinion, it should never have been allowed to be disguised as anything other than what it is with the proper labeling for what it is so that kids are not lulled into thinking that they're chewing a gummy bear when, in fact, they're ingesting marijuana. I don't understand it, and I think it was a mistake. Let's go to the calls. Who do we have up? Will from where, Andrew? Will from Long... Okay, Will from Long Island. Hi, Will. Where are you from on Long Island? Because that's my home territory. Patchog. Patchog. Okay, I grew up in Woodmere on the other side of the island. Hello and welcome. I work... Yes, I... I, I don't see – I think it's a big deal for the felons uh, getting uh, rescinded, the, the uh, convictions. But I, I, as far as anything else, I don't think it's a big deal. Okay. It, the, 
the market is saturated with marijuana all over the country. And if you go up to you know, the Indian reservations in New York and New York City uh, or Massachusetts, it's a lot of people are selling and nobody's buying. Uh, so, oh, really? Very interesting. When you say nobody's buying, you think that the demand is being overhyped? You think in the end it's not going to be? Absolutely. Wow. Really? I, I don't think anybody should have a problem finding marijuana anywhere. It's been like that for ten years. So and you people, think it's so you think it's fine to put it in stores and basically normalize that, which has been easy to find for people anyway. Is that what you're saying? Mom, I'm against it. Oh, I'll you're against you it. The last, oh, it's the last thing that corporate America hasn't gotten its fingers in to involved with. Oh, uh, and, and there's a lot of people that have been growing and selling it for for many years, and people our age that smoke it already are getting it from uh, the people that they've been buying for for the last 40 years. So what you're saying is you think that the introduction of making it legal is going to crowd out the small business owner in the marijuana industry? Absolutely. That, that's a good way to put it. Uh, it, it, it keeps the corporations, uh, the, big, the big beer uh, like Anheuser-Busch and, and, and Coke from getting involved in it and – and, and it should it should be if what, keeping it illegal and and decriminalized uh, was a was a good policy I think. Will do you smoke a lot of pot? I don't. You don't. But okay. I have, I, I have friends that do and uh-huh. have been growing it for forty or fifty years. Wow. Uh, and it's not it's not a hard it it's starting to become like an urban and rural issue because the people in the rural and suburbia can grow it and the people in the city cannot. That's it's a lot harder for them. So, Will, do you think that from the people that have used it and know it well, one of the things that I've been reading, I'm curious to know if you agree with this, is that the marijuana itself is more potent now than it was years ago. What do you think about that? I think we sh- they should ban any edibles or any synthesized uh, THC product. That's mm-hmm. what I – because edibles get into the wrong hands. Yeah. Uh the, the flower itself is 30% potency. That's very high. It, yeah. It's very strong. I don't really like the high. Interesting. I, it's, it's, uh, I'm for medical marijuana, but I'm against the, the uh, open sale of it. Uh, Thank, okay. Thank you, Will. Thank you for calling in today. appreciate your point of view. Really do. Thank you. Thank you for your show. Sure. Um, do we have Todd still holding, Andrew? We're going to go to our guest. Todd? Todd, where are you from? Hi, Lisa. I'm from Shelton. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year to you, Todd. So what do you think about all of this today? I'm totally against it. I'm 35 years clean and sober, and I'm sitting in my car in Stratford waiting to go into an AA meeting for 12 o'clock noon. And uh, it all started when I was in high school. I'm 63 years old, and they used to preach to us in high school, don't start with the marijuana because it will lead to heavier drugs. And I laughed in their face, and they were totally right, and I got clean and sober in 1987. And uh, I think that the state should be doing something for the kids. Uh, How about some clean and sober clubs where kids could go and uh, have soda or coffee or tea or Red Bull, anything but alcohol and anything but drugs, and have some fun, shoot Mm -hmm. pool, play ping pong. Let's have some clean and sober clubs throughout the state of Connecticut so that they could hold their heads up high and say they're helping the kids instead of destroying these kids. 
Yeah, so you think the policy is going to hurt kids, huh? Even yeah, though, start, even though the state it. is, even though the state is saying it won't be sold under the age of twenty-one, you don't believe that. What do you think? Nah, Lisa. When I was a kid, we used to go to certain places and get beer on Sundays and holidays. Now they're selling beer on Sundays and holidays. I know they are. So uh, there, there's a way. If there's a will, there's a way. These kids will find a way to get it, and uh, you know, turn them away from that. Like the priest at the church told me. Turn away from sin and uh, everything that's uh, circled around sin. Sin sells, and they always want to um, they want to you know hype it up so that the kids and everybody else will buy it so that they can make money. And uh, it's a very sad situation. I think they should do more to help the kids. Clean and sober clubs throughout Connecticut help these kids so they got somewhere to go other than the streets and the drugs. Todd, I congratulate you on your sobriety. Good for you. Good for you. Thank you, Lisa. You're doing a phenomenal job down there. Thank you. Thank you for listening and calling today. God bless you, too. Let's go to Ralph from Bridgeport, and then we're going to chat with Jordan Davidson, who has a personal experience and story he wants to share. Hey, Ralph, welcome. Hi. uh, Let me just turn my radio down a bit. Okay. A little drink of water. Okay, listen, I know you have a guest. I'll get right to the point. Lisa, I'm 62. I smoked pot a little bit in the 80s. I never bought it. But then I remember one time in the 90s, it's like, oh, my God. It's like I I felt so out of it because they grow it where they raise the THC level very high. And I sent you, I resent you an article that Paul Pacelli read on the air. It's from the Connecticut Mirror from June of 2021. And it's from a liberal lawyer in Colorado who was instrumental in getting recreational marijuana passed in 09. And he's begging. He's so remorseful. He's begging Connecticut not to make the same mistake. Yeah, we'll have to have him on the air. I saw that opinion piece. And about the people that say, well, it's no different than alcohol. That is such an idiotic statement because here's the thing. You can drink alcohol. Your body can process one ounce of alcohol an hour. You can drink alcohol and not get drunk. You can't smoke pot and not get stoned. Mm. And, and another thing Paul mentioned well, is— Well, you can get le- sick, right? You yes, can just, and, like, and, get sick. Well, no. if you drink yeah. slowly, you can drink and not get drunk. But the thing is, it, you pee it out within, a, I don't know, an hour or two. Pot stays in your brain 21 days. Yeah. So no, 30 days, smoking, actually. 30 yeah, days, it's in your blood. I don't know about your brain, but I know it's in your bloodstream for up to 30 days. Up yeah, well, the, days. the brain's got a lot of fat in it, and I read, this, I read this way back in 1980 from Reader's Digest, why marijuana is your enemy. Marijuana is fat-soluble, and one thing that has a lot of fat is your brain, and it gets in the recess of your brain. And also, do you know what it's going to be like for the police officers? I mean, I hate driving now as it is. There's going to be more people driving stone, and just the fact that, at least when it was illegal, some people stayed home and smoked it. Yeah. Now you're going to have more yeah. people driving stone, and also the virtue of the fact that, well, now it's illegal. You're going to have a lot of curious people that never tried it. This man is begging Connecticut not to make the same mistakes. The fatalities in Colorado doubled, and he mentions many other things. So I'll let you go so you can uh, get on with your guest, all right? God bless you, and thank you for shining a light on this. This is, you know, I don't tell anybody what to believe. I want to commend the previous caller. I don't tell anyone what to believe, but in the book of 2 Timothy, in the Bible, it says, 
The day will come when man will turn his back on the truth and turn their ears to fables. And this is what's going on. This is like the beginning of the end for society as far as I'm concerned. Ralph, thank you so much for your call. Thank, thank you, and you so like much you, for your faithful listening. I hate listening. it that I get the freaking smell uh, forced I hate on me the wherever smell. I go. I can't stand the smell. I'm so offended by it. And I know that the police are really in a bind right now because, you know, they don't want to be the big strong arm enforcer when it comes to pot. They feel that the public has made a decision that pot should be legal. And they are trying to figure out in their own municipalities, what are the rules here? Because the Connecticut state law last year, our legislature basically left it to our local municipalities to figure out where people are going to be able to smoke pot, legally sell it, etc. So the police are waiting for a cue, and they haven't gotten one from a lot of their mayors and first selectmen. They have not gotten a cue. And so I think we're living right now, I hope it's a period of relatively short transition where it's anything goes with the smell. I can't stand the smell. But, you can't, but look at what they did with, like you point out, with cigarette smoke. Mm-hmm. They banned it from smoking in restaurants, in bars, indoors. They did. Because the smell, it, 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 you know, you're inhaling secondhand smoke, which right. is more deadly than if a person smoking a cigarette because they got a filter. And then you get the stink on your clothes. The pot smell is much more, like, voluminous. You, yeah, you know I what I mean? I well, you know. I know. But, but I'll let you go. Thank you so much. And we just got to. Stand on our principle. It's not good, and you can't compare it with alcohol. I mean, I'm sure you and Bill, you know, you have a drink. Well, I don't know if you do, but I don't you drink. can have don't a drink anything. and not get drunk. You I'm the original pot. pilgrim. You can't go by me. You can't go by me. But, but, I don't but, know who so I am. No I came out of a pod when it comes to all these things. You know, it's such a cliche, but it's so true. I am literally naturally high on life. I don't need anything Amen. but and a so glass of water. And one of the things that gets me <laughs> high is listening to your show. Ah, uh, thank you, right. God bless you, and and I'll let you go. And and, and I love the um, interview with the uh, the Broadway man. Uh, But you have a blessed day, and thank you for standing up for principles because most of us don't want this legalized. All right, take care and have a blessed day. Jordan Davidson is here with us, 203-333-9422. He graduated from Weston High School. He's at University in Washington, D.C., and he is actually now on the staff of Smart Approaches to Marijuana, because he felt that he had a personal story that he wanted to share. This is the second time on the Lisa Wexler Show. Jordan, I thought it was fitting to invite you back, because today's a a very big day in Connecticut. It's the first day that people can legally line up to recreationally smoke pot and not worry about any criminal consequences, because there aren't any. So welcome back to the show. Hi. Hi, Lisa. It's, it's so great to be back. Um, and apologize, I'm, I'm just getting over a bit of a hoarse voice here, but <laughs> I'm happy to really be on the show and talk about this uh, important issue today. So, Jordan, uh, in a quick nutshell, once again, for our listeners tuning in who hadn't heard you before, what is yes. your story? So, my story is um, about a little over four years ago on December 9th, 2018, I got sober from um, an addiction to marijuana. Um, I got clean and sober from all substances, and I was really glad to hear that one of your guests before is also in recovery. Um, and really, marijuana ruined my life, and it took my soul away, quite frankly. And using it every single day uh, made me withdraw from my friends and my family, um, made me lie to people. It you know, took over my life, my academics, and everything, and it became a total addiction for me. And I was using those high-potency THC products that, unfortunately, were going to be you know, sold on, on, on the Connecticut markets this morning. And I entered addiction recovery 
got help, and since then have been working for Smart Approaches to Marijuana to fight back against marijuana legalization. So let's talk about this, because what you said could have just as easily been said about alcohol. And the temperance sure. move, and I'm, I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, the temperance movement yep. and prohibition utterly failed and, in fact, caused a tremendous yep. amount of crime. So, you know, it took about 20 years, but then we repealed it. Um, the, yep. the idea of, you know, of responsible lawmakers is not to have anybody addicted and have their life derailed by pot. It is to be able to make it legal, to regulate it, and to have it in society because it's always been here anyway. Your addiction began when pot was illegal. So what's the difference? So basically the difference here is, and I don't advocate for for temperance movement or for prohibition. What I'd advocate for is the decriminalization of marijuana, which Connecticut already had. And so it's really striking this middle ground where we can see that prohibition has failed in many ways and, and keeping it illegal has done some damage. But the full-on commercialization of substances like alcohol and tobacco, I don't think everyone would say that it's gone swimmingly, that it's gone totally well. I mean, look how much people use tobacco in our society, right? So striking that middle ground where we can say, look, you don't need to be thrown in prison or thrown in jail just for having a little bit of pot on you. Um, It doesn't need to be criminal ordeal and your life doesn't need to be ruined by an arrest record. That, That surely is bad policy. But you also don't need to fully commercialize and legalize a substance and put pot shops on every corner, like in places like Seattle, where they have more pot shops than Starbucks and McDonald's combined. And that's really what the problem is. That would, to me, would indicate, Jordan, that there's an enormous demand for people to get themselves in an alternative reality state and get high. Let's talk about that for just a minute, because I think that that's something that you know, very often is lost in the conversation. You know, yeah, for sure. Ha- have you pondered that a little bit? What is that about? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, when like, like, I'll, I'll just use my own personal experience because I can't speak for kind of everyone, right? Um, but when I was in 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 high school, and actually, I actually didn't graduate from Weston High School. I went to another high school, but I lived in Weston for the first eighteen years of my life. Okay. Um, and um, when 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 I was living in Weston, um, you know, I struggled as a lot of other teenagers do with anxiety um, and just the things that go on when you're a teenager and the stresses that that comes with being in high school. And what I chose to do was turn to marijuana in order to ease that kind of pain or those struggles that I was facing with my own mental health. And we didn't live really and don't live in a culture that really uh, dissuades that. Um, it used to be that you, you, you told people more often um, not to use drugs or alcohol mm-hmm. to uh, help with your problems. And, and that kind of public education has really lacking. We don't see PSAs from, from the government really anymore about drug use like, like we even did as, as recently as 10 or 15 years ago. Um, that's kind of slowly been dwindling. And so I think when you have a lack of education about drugs and drug use and the damage that can cause, a lot of people like myself turn to those things to ease the struggles that we've all faced. So you think that – do you think that the right kind of education – would have dissuaded you from going to pot? You know, I think, I think that surely is, is possible. I mean, I had no idea that marijuana was addictive. Absolutely none. 
right? That was something that I had no idea about. That I had no idea about the high versus low THC products, about the differences between you know, different kinds of marijuana and what dabbing really was. You know, which if, if your viewers don't know, I don't I know used what that dab is. Pen. What's dab? What right. Is okay. That? Well, right. Exactly. So, so a dab is essentially the highest concentrate form of marijuana possible. And so um, it can be put in a, a, a dab pen, which is essentially a vape and a liquid, which is what I did three times a day every day. Or you can, in, in an even more concentrated way, basically make the THC, which is the active component that gets you high in marijuana, into a resin or a wax. And you can burn it using this kind of weird-looking intricate glass device. It's not really a bong. It's, 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 it's something even a little bit more complicated. And you can get – it's like 99-plus you know, percent THC, super, super concentrated. Um, and that's something that's really popular today. And I had no idea about any of this stuff. Um, so I really wasn't informed in the way that I think I probably should have been as a young person in today's society. Let me ask you, Jordan, because you're still such a young man. How old are you, 20? Uh, I turned 22 uh, on the 22nd of December. Okay, so you're 22. Congratulations. Happy yeah. birthday. Um, that's Thank you. two more people I know that were born that day. Wow. Okay. Anyway, my father-in-law and my machetena, my, my son-in-law's mother. So it must be a very lucky day. Oh, uh, anyway, so uh, let me ask you this. Your parents, what kind yeah. of a what kind of a um, education did they give you about illegal drug use? No, and this is this is where I'd say that I, I really got the most help, and this is why I'm able to speak to you today. My mom has been in in addiction recovery for I don't know something like 38 years. Okay. Um, she got sober when she was 19 years old, um, and her problem mainly was alcohol. So when I was young, my mom did tell me about our family history of of alcoholism because it ran rampant in my family um, and addiction. And so I was always really um, raised in a house where they not only told me about the history of addiction, but they told me, look, Jordan, if you're ever in a situation where you're in trouble, you can call and ask for help. You never have to be afraid of calling and asking um, you know, to, to, to be driven home or, or to get somewhere safely. Um, and that was kind of the open and communicative environment in which I was raised. And because my parents sat me down and, and did talk to me about that and did open those lines of communication with me, I felt comfortable at, you know, age 17, going to them and telling my mom, I'm struggling and I need help. And it was a difficult ordeal for my family. It wasn't easy to get through. But a week later, I was in an outpatient rehab facility and I was started going to Narcotics Anonymous meetings. And so I'd encourage all parents to really open those lines of communication with their children about marijuana, alcohol, and other drugs. And let kids know that you're always there for them um, because I think often sometimes maybe an over-punitive method um, scares kids away from actually asking for help. But striking that balance and letting them know the dangers of using drugs is also incredibly important, which my parents did do for me, especially regarding alcohol. So let me ask you something. With your parents' very strong early education about the dangers of alcohol to you as a particular human, did that, is that one of the reasons why you thought that maybe pot would be an alternative way for you to relieve your anxiety but less dangerous for you at the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I always knew that alcohol was addictive. Right? Like I always thought of alcohol as being something that you could get addicted to. Mm -hmm. And I did drink alcohol, don't get me wrong. 
But marijuana was the drug that I mainly used. And even, you know, even, even up until basically my recovery, I kept on denying, denying, denying that marijuana was even addictive at all. I see. So, um, you okay. know, you hear, I see, I see on Twitter all the time this funny thing. Um, people sometimes will reply to me and if I'm tweeting about this issue. Someone will say, I've smoked marijuana every day for the past 30 years. I know it's not addictive. Right. Uh, okay. You know, <laughs> like stuff like that. It's a total denial. <laughs> hilarious too but it just shows the yeah. extent to which people are, are completely oblivious to their own selves right i smoked it every yeah, day exactly. for 30 years but i'm not i could stop yeah. tomorrow i chose not to right. i could stop tomorrow right. if i wanted to but over 30 years right. i decided every single day when i woke up not to but okay it's yeah. something i decided yeah. to do but i'm not addicted right okay yeah okay Wow. So here we are, and Connecticut has already decided to make it legal. If you were in yep. charge of drug policy for the state of Connecticut, Jordan, what would you now do? In other words, in terms of this campaign aimed at younger people, what would you do? Yeah, so um, it's, 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 it's really tough. You know, my organization kind of as, 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 as we operate – um, you know, it's kind of futile to try and repeal legalization in states right. or something. Not going to um, happen. But it's 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 not going to happen, right? Of course. No. So um, it's it's but 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 bolstering um, really the public health guardrails because you know something. Just a couple of statistics to give you and, and your viewers a sense of of what the situation is really looking like because of legalization and and the places we need to target. You know, this is all new. This is like the past month or so. This data has come out. Um, you know. Uh, marijuana abuse among adolescents, um, six, ages 6 to 18, has increased 245% since 2000, even though alcohol abuse has remained relatively stable. Um, you know, and we've also seen an increase in uh, basically edible use among really young children um, over the past five years, uh, where there's been a 1,375% increase. Yeah, in, the in edible thing, uh, somebody has got to yeah. look up. And make the yeah. edibles not not allowed. I mean, yeah. so, you know, unless they're in a medical marijuana dispensary under highly controlled conditions, there's just no. Re I don't understand it. I do not understand why people would allow a psychoactive substance to look like a candy. I don't. Well, and, and, and I mean that's that, that that's the point, right? And that's the reason why they're doing it is is, is because they know it will make them more money. And, and the last note, just before I kind of explain what I would do if I were in charge is, 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 is you know, they're making, they want to just make more money off these products because of the people who are running the show. Um, there was, there was a quote basically in, uh, in, in CT Insider recently um, saying that um, the results of, 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 of legalization in Connecticut is the short answer is we'll see less money and less socially beneficial ownership than the supporters of state's legalization envisioned in the spring of 2021. And so even though I don't believe there are any social equity stores to open thing today, there are seven stores, at least. It's owned by Acreage Holdings. Um, and Acreage Holdings is, is probably the biggest, if not one of the biggest, uh, marijuana, basically, companies in the world. And board of directors, What's the name of it? Jordan, you're speaking Acreage, quickly, and it's hard to hear them. Uh, What's the name of the company? Acreage Holdings. Acreage? How do you spell that? A-C-R. E A G E, and they uh, you're saying Acreage Holdings is behind seven of the marijuana dispensaries in Connecticut. No, so they're they're behind at least one of the seven that are opening today. Okay, I um, see. And so they 
the board of directors of, of the, this is the company that's really trying to really make it into the scene. The board of directors, that company includes former Republican Speaker of the House John Boehner, former Republican Governor of Massachusetts Bill Weld, uh, former IBM Chief Financial Officer Doug Maine, and former Conservative Prime Minister of Canada Brian Mulroney. So I think one of your viewers talks about kind of the big business and corporate ownership of this entire industry and tobacco takeover, which John Boehner takes a lot of tobacco money. Um, you know, these are the people who are going to get rich, and we see no real social equity uh, coming along with it. And so what I would do if I were in charge is, 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 is try and get all these kind of major big tobacco, big corporations out of the scene, limit their involvement as much as possible. Um, and I think the best way to dissuade that would be to enforce stronger potency caps. Um, Connecticut kind of has a really weak, weak, weak potency cap law of about 30% for flour. I would argue 10 to 15% potency cap for flour. I um, see. And, okay. And, okay. And in addition to that, stronger advertising laws. Um, Connecticut has decent billboard advertising laws to kind of protect consumers, but it doesn't go far enough. I, you know, I, I don't support billboards at all in any places for marijuana and, and stronger you know, restrictions to make sure that they're not advertising these products to young people. And Lisa, one of the things you said about the edibles is, is a major part of that. We don't need things like brownies and cookies and chocolate bars being sold in stores because kids are mistaking those products or candy and eating them, or they're attracted to them and purchasing them. And that's a really, really major problem, and it's leading to a lot more marijuana use by young people. Jordan Davidson, Smart Approaches to Marijuana. So I'm hearing from you potency caps, billboard restrictions, more money funding public health, and not allowing it to be sold looking like regular food or candy. Got it. Yep, Okay. All right, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, Sam. Jordan Davidson, we wish you also continued success in your sobriety. You sound fabulous, except for the horse throat. Thank you. And we thank you for thank coming you. back on the show, and be well. Happy New Year. Thank you, Lisa. Happy okay. New Year.
right. Thank you, sweetheart. Have a good day. You God too. Bless. We'll be Bye. right back with more of the Lisa Wexler Show. Stick Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.